0: It's important because it helps people to build their ministry to be fruitful and faithful. It also is helping people fulfill the biblical commandments and uh, the testimony to the wider world of caring for one another.
1: You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javet, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. Hello and welcome back to our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javed. Today, I am joined by David Tommy from Mission to the World's Member Care Department. Our topic today focuses on the importance of care, member care. Member care provides structure, support, and training for missionaries to care for themselves and those around them, David and uh, Jane, his wife. Joined Mission to the World in 1988 and have experience ranging from rural Africa to urban Europe, including more than 10 years of leading member care for MTW's Muslim focused ministries. David is the director of Mission to the World's member care department. Thank you for joining us today, J- David. How are you doing? Uh, good,
0: thanks. It's a pleasure yeah, to be here.
1: Yeah, so happy to have you here, man. So happy to have you here. But before we get started, please share with our audience, David, a little bit about your family. I believe family makes us who we are, it humanizes us, and that's how our audience connect with you. So share a little bit about your family with
0: us. Sure, glad to. So, my wife, Jan, and I have been married for about 45 and a half years now. So, we celebrated our 45th anniversary just before Christmas this past year. We have two sons, um, they're adults. Um, Our older son is a Delta pilot, and he and his wife live in central Georgia, not too far from where we live. And then our younger son, his wife, and our one grandson, who turned 13 day before yesterday, live in South Africa, where he's involved in using soccer as development ministry, mostly with uh, underprivileged boys they've been doing that for about 12 year or 10 years yeah
1: wow that's that's amazing god has blessed you brother that's amazing so so happy to hear that david i would love to hear more about your background in muslim focus ministry which you were involved in for quite some time and your journey to leading member care for mission to the world
0: so we initially joined MDW in 1988, like you said earlier, and worked with mostly Christianized group in rural Kenya. So I'm a medical doctor and I was working at a rural health center. We, as we were coming to the end of that term, we wanted to be involved with an unreached people group. Mm-hmm. And after having worked at a health center, I also wanted to be more working at the community level, okay. and we wanted to continue to work in in uh, sub-Saharan Africa. So we it took a little while to find the right setting. But we were seconded to SIM Sudan Interior Mission at that time, and went to Nigeria to work with the Fulani people. The Fulani are of A large unreached people group, almost 100% Muslim, spread all across the Sahel in West Africa. Very distinctive. There are about 25 million Wani and maybe just a few thousand Christians. So we went to work specifically with that people group because they were unreached. And yeah, and so they happened to be Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um, background. We learned a lot about Islam, a lot about that particular tribe. And when we were had to leave Nigeria because of some health issues that I had, then we wanted to continue to work with Muslims. At, by that time, we were not keen on learning a third language. And uh, so we wound up going to London in England and living in a South Asian neighborhood and working mostly with Pakistani Muslims. I was a team leader at that time, and part of our team was working with the, was working with Iranians as well. So we've had a fairly diverse experience with lots of different kinds of Muslims, rural Africans, cattle herders, uh, mostly illiterate to sophisticated, urban people in Europe. We've seen that most Muslim, or at least many Muslim people, are very interested in talking about religion. They're mostly from very gracious cultures, and so there was a lot of hospitality, and we built some really good relationships. So when we went to Nigeria, I mean, yeah, into Nigeria in 95, out of the 12 million Fulani that were in Nigeria, there were probably about 500 Christians. Now there's probably 10 to 15, 20,000, which is still a pretty small number compared to 12 million. So there's been something of a people movement among that group. Of course, among Iranians, there's been a huge people movement. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for Pakistani Muslims, unfortunately, it doesn't really seem to be their time yet. So we've seen a few conversions, but not many. Mm-hmm. And that's been pretty much everyone's experience in Europe as far as I'm aware. Mm-hmm.
1: Geographically, where are you located now?
0: Just now we we moved back to the US mm-hmm. uh, a little over two years ago when I took this new position, located very near the MTW headquarters, which is in Lawrenceville, Georgia. That's a northeast suburb of Atlanta.
1: So why is uh, member care so
0: important? It's important because it helps people to fulfill their ministry, to be fruitful and faithful. It also is helping people fulfill the biblical commandments and uh, the testimony to the wider world of caring for one another. So there are some pragmatic reasons uh, as well in that it helps with return on investment in that keeping people who are trained and have already raised their support and gained some experience um, and are most likely to be becoming effective, that helps keep keep people like that on the field and able to work, whereas they might have to leave either because of team conflict or because of personal issues or issues with, with children. Or education, those sorts of things. Hmm. So member care is able to to speak into a lot of the causes of of what we would say about this preventable attrition.
1: Would you so say that's how member care looks like on practical level? Question yeah, is, what does member sure. care look like on a personal level? What would be your yeah. answer? so it's
0: it's multifaceted. Part of it is so we want missionaries to be able to care for themselves well. We're part of member care from our side is helping people to be equipped and understand the necessity of that. So just like any other Christian, uh, missionaries can become lax in their prayer or Bible reading or fellowship, not do self care well. We want people to understand how to care for one another well. So, we equip and train for that, um, which would include also how to manage conflict well. Mm -hmm. Uh, We encourage sending bodies, so churches, or in our case, churches or presbyteries that send missionaries uh, by raising, by helping raise their support, by commissioning them and sending them out. We help them to fulfill their responsibility of caring well. And then Um, Kind of things that are more specific to the agency, we can offer different kinds of conferences and retreats uh, for our workers. We offer counseling services, um, conflict mediation. Um, We are putting into into place or have put into place a structure across our different regions to help care for people proactively, to check in and see how they're doing. So okay. we, we, we want people to be kind of in a network of care mm-hmm. um, and understand the importance of it. Yeah.
1: So how, how does care differ for missionaries in different settings or life situations, such as uh, a single versus married missionaries or those in urban versus uh, rural uh,
0: areas? And for Jan and me, uh, just as an example, our needs when we lived in rural Nigeria, in a small town in the north and we're the only the only expats far 100 miles um, so loneliness was a huge issue so and that can be the case in some rural settings whereas when we lived in east london in the middle of a neighborhood that wasn't so much of an issue <laughs> of course in nigeria we didn't have a local church really that was helpful or supportive and lived in a pretty much entirely Muslim environment in London. We had a strong local church where we got good care locally. The resources that are available for someone is there are um, differences in how people need care, whether they're married or single. So with singles, loneliness or isolation can be a problem. Married couples are not always aware of the needs of singles. They can sometimes make assumptions that are unhelpful about how much time they might have or yeah, or different things. So yeah, there are there are differences. So we feel like that it's mainly relationships that care. Yeah, because of going to care across relationships, we want to tailor that care to what we've learned uh, and what we've about the person and their individual circumstances and context.
1: If a missionary needs more support, but their uh, sending agency does not have a member care initiative, uh, what do you recommend? And there are many. You know, there yeah. are many agencies that don't have member care department.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, well, the first thing I would say to a missionary that's that's working for an agency like that. Mm-hmm. So that that means you really need to be very, very proactive about making sure that you're cared for. It would, of course, be helpful to advocate for your agency to to view that as an important thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, so sometimes that might be helpful and other times either because of the way the agency is set up or financial restrictions or whatever, Um, maybe not. But yeah, so to be proactive, If a missionary is in a setting where where they're part of a local church, then I would say part of it being proactive is helping the local congregation to understand what's going on with them and to receive care from local believers. Um, Sometimes missionaries tend to view their interactions with local believers kind of as a one-way street. so they're giving but not willing to receive. That that yeah. If there is a local Christian body, mm-hmm. then uh, to the extent possible, get help and care from them. Mm-hmm. And then um, yeah, also be very proactive about helping your sending body, uh, your sending church care for you. Not every sending church is going to automatically grasp some of the challenges of cross-cultural living or what. It, means to to be on the front lines of a spiritual battle Mm -hmm. but um i think if the missionary is proactive about helping to explain and helping to that helping the church to grasp that um churches are generally fairly willing to 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 be supportive Mm -hmm. and there are going to be limitations but yeah those three things would be a good start
1: yeah that seems like the common theme in all these uh, recommendations is being proactive. Yeah, uh, they need to be proactive and uh, and and look for those uh, resources. Yeah, uh, you worked in Muslim focused ministry for a while. Do you have any major takeaways from the time you spent uh, um, there that you would like to share? I, I would love to hear your uh, uh, thoughts. But I I wanted to hear Jan's too. But let me hear your perspective on it. Okay
0: one thing that we often share when we're sharing in some of our supporting churches is that talking to muslims about the gospel is really the easiest thing in the world Um, so it's way we found in england it's way easier to talk to muslims about the gospel than to a secular english person Um, and i I think that's true here in the u.s as well so in in your setting in new york talk to uh, you know, an urban 30-year-old about religion is going to be much my person is going to be much di- more difficult than talking to the average Muslim, where religion is part of life and, and part of what you think about and part of what you talk about. The other thing we often tell people about working with Muslims is that if you want to know what a Muslim what Muslims believe, then you should ask the one that you're talking to. Uh, because there's such a huge variety that we shouldn't be scared or viewing Muslims as our enemy.
1: What, what specific member care needs do missionaries who work uh, in Muslim-focused ministries have, if any?
0: Yeah, I think they do have some. Of course, they have ones that are common to to any kind of frontline Christian work. Um, so there's spiritual battles. I think in the case of Islam sometimes those spiritual battles can be can be more intense depending on which people group someone might be working with it can be pretty discouraging. So if you're working with Pakistani Muslims, if you're working with Somalis yeah there's some encouragement but not a lot. It's also easy to be discouraged because there's some it can often happen that someone who you thought was showing hopeful signs of conversion winds up going back to Islam, so to speak. So, yeah, I think there is a lot of cultural pressure to deal with. So because of some of the attitudes towards Islam in the in the Western church, mm-hmm. Muslim missionaries who are working in, working in Muslim-focused ministries can grow pretty discouraged even when they're in the U.S. home ministry assignment. Some of the peculiarities, most of the needs would be very similar to any other missionary or any other pastoral worker or Christian, really.
1: Yeah. Mission to the World is a Presbyterian, particularly PCA, missions uh, organization, Mm -hmm. right? Could you share what unique aspects the Presbyterian viewpoint brings to Muslim ministry, if anything?
0: Sure. So, I think it brings several things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, having a, a covenantal approach to life, I think it's a philosophical worldview. Um, so, as Western reformed and covenantal people, we don't always really embrace thoroughly the mm-hmm. covenantal part and what it means in being part of a community. <laughs> and now that mitigates against individualism. But um, yeah, I think that's a real strength that we have as part of our heritage uh, that resonates with most Islamic cultures. The other thing is that as reformed Christians, um, you know, we believe that God is sovereign and that his, everything is by His grace And so we don't have to think that the results depend on us. And yeah, and we can be quite sure that God has called people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Mm -hmm. And so with the particular Muslim people group that we're working with, we can be sure that God's going to do his work Mm -hmm. um, sovereignly. Um, So yeah, I think those strengths, so it helps us take the, Focus off ourselves, off individualism, and uh, to trust in trust in God and His Word.
1: Yeah. So we talk a lot about the missionaries and mission agency and the field itself. Let's talk about a little bit about the church, uh, mm-hmm. especially the sending church. How can a sending church better serve and care for its missionaries that it financially supports?
0: Sure. So. There's a number of things that, um, yeah, that churches can do. So one of the most encouraging things would be, in most cases, to to send their pastor to visit the missionaries they support. So even churches that, so not every church sends anyone to visit their missionaries. Mm. Uh, So even doing someone, so even someone would be a start. but. If it's the the senior pastor or a lead pastor, that's just really encouraging. And it shows shows to the congregation as well, the commitment to to missions and and mission support. Yeah, being faithful and generous in financial support, of course. Um, There are particular times of transition when, um, when missionaries can need some extra help. So either First, getting to the field, coming back for a home assignment or furlough, when children say come back to the U.S. for college or university. So at those times, if the church is um, really proactive about asking what needs there are, or trying to imagine what needs there are, and just going ahead and and trying to meet them. So, depending on how long it missionaries coming back to the US for things like offering a car or trans- transportation, offering housing that's available, those things can be really, really quite helpful. Mm-hmm. I think the main one of the main things is that when there's a missionary visiting that you support to really take an interest in and listen to what they what they say to ask, try to ask good questions. And to avoid saying, how are you liking being back home? Because, yeah, in most cases, when missionaries come back to the U.S. or, or for later, it's not generally coming home.
1: That's excellent. And I think, um, I hope and pray those who are listening to this uh, podcast, uh, if they are part of a church or if the pastors are listening to this podcast, they take these uh, recommendations seriously and act on them. And I think it's a good thing. I was thinking about even sending this episode to our mission team. These are good, very good. Some of these things that my church actually does that already. What would you like the average layperson to know about the challenges a missionary may
0: face? The main thing that I would like them to know is that missionaries are just ordinary Christians. And so any challenge that you can think of that you have, the missionaries you support are likely going to have the same or similar challenges so you know people in your church that have marital issues so so do some missionaries you know parents who are struggling to with children who um don't respond to discipline or who are wayward from the lord uh, who don't show any interest in, in spiritual things mm-hmm. so that happens on the mission field as well
1: mm-hmm.
0: Um, their financial pressures, just like uh, anywhere else. So, yeah, so normal, normal things, but they should think, so all these normal things, but also having to do it in a different language with people who have a different way of thinking, and in the middle, oftentimes a fairly intense spiritual, warfare, spiritual conflict, yeah. and where there's a tendency, I think, among missionaries to, to feel really responsible for yeah. being good stewards and working hard and, and being diligent, so there's sometimes even a guilt about uh, trying to spend time taking care of oneself. I've I've seldom heard of a church um, or individual supporters who thought, oh, this missionary is not working hard enough. But missionaries often have kind of the perception that that's what they're going to think. So, yeah, just to be kind of aware of some of those dynamics. And I think that it takes a, a pretty strong relationship for a missionary to be willing to to be open and transparent with someone who's providing financial support because there can also be a a fear that, well, if they knew what I was really like, they probably wouldn't want to continue to support me financially. Yeah. So, yeah, those things that are fears for missionaries are seldom true, but it's helpful for, our supporters and senders to to understand some some of those issues.
1: Yeah. So before we close out today's episode, is there anything else you would like to add?
0: So there um, there are a number of of good sources for member care. Um, so there are a number of global and um, continental networks for member care. There are some really good agencies here in the U.S. that can help supplement care if missionaries are working for an agency that doesn't um, have the resources that they might wish they had. Um, so we use some of those agencies ourselves sometimes, you yeah. know, like Missionary Training International or the Foundation. If people are, if missionaries are feeling the need for additional resources, um, there's a lot. There is a lot available.
1: So, where would they find those resources? Oh, is there a um, list? Is there on your website or somewhere where there's a collective?
0: So, let me just mention a couple of websites. Sure. So, one is um, globalmembercare.com. That's a, a global network. And they, on their website, have a, a large list of resources. There's missionarycare.com, which is um, a website that has also a lot of resources for missionaries primarily with connections to other agencies and then barnabas.org yeah, uh, yeah. so
1: would you say would you say if people wants to get in touch with you regarding the member care you guys provide but also all these resources that you're talking about uh, would you say the best way to get in touch with you is through your website
0: Yes, you can do that. The best way would be just probably to email me directly, which would be david.thomae at mtw.org. David.thomae at mtw.org.
1: Great. That will also be included in the episode's description. And for the last thing, because we talk about heavy topics, I'd like to ask my guests All of the guests do this. So I'm asking you to do the same thing. Tell us a joke. Tell a joke to lighten the mood, please.
0: (laughs) We, you know, after living 16 years in England, we're like, we're on the UK humor now. So it's a bit sarcastic and, uh, yeah, not super jovial. So (laughs) last year I had a really great joke about inflation, but it's hardly worth it now. There you go, see?
1: (laughs) Oh, very good, though. You see, it's an intelligent joke. Yeah. I like it. Uh, Thank you so much for being on the show again. uh, That was uh, David Tommy. And thank you to all our listeners. We truly could not do this without you. If you learned something, have a topic suggestion, or would like to leave us feedback, drop us a note at our. Urbanvoices.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review wherever you listen to your podcast. Tune in in two weeks for more honest discussions from Diverse Voices. You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry.